1: you're listening to 100 words or less with ray harkins Hello, 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 you music hounds. I don't know why I have to say three hellos, and I have to come up with a new intro. But you know what? I'm not going to, because this works for me, and hopefully it works for you. You care, about independent music, that's why you are here. Whether it's punk or hardcore indie rock metal whatever it is as long as it classifies itself underneath that diy banner which i love so much and i know that's why you continue to come back week after week for these discussions and uh, i appreciate that this is not lost on me that you don't need to spend an hour out of your week with me and these people who i bring on the show but uh yeah it just i don't know man i love seeing those those numbers go up and not from like a a selfish or ego perspective. I just like to know that this show is resonating with people. So, anyways, thank you. I have a great conversation this week with JT Woodruff from Hawthorne Heights, and I-, I dive right into it with him. <laughs> in the conversation where I'm like, I never really liked Hawthorne Heights. Like now personally, in retrospect, I look at their musical output and I think what they do is really important and cool. Whereas like when they first came on the scene, it was like, yo, this band's, I don't know, pretty corny, pretty cheesy. I don't know about that, but, um, Yeah, we have a great discussion about that. JT is very clear-eyed about his place, not only in the musical world, but what he's been able to do with his band. Keep it, like, so DIY. And I have to give a beautiful, beautiful plug to the Is For Lovers Festival. So that is a festival that they started last year in 2022. They blew it out this year and are doing... I mean, they've done, like, I don't know, about 10 or so dates. They actually have two or three more dates coming up. September 9th, they have it in Ohio at the Riverbend Music Center. They have it September 10th in Tennessee at the Caverns, which sounds absolutely incredible. And then they have the final one of this year, or I was about to say year-long, but summer-long run of festivals in Massachusetts at Mansfield, the Xfinity Center. So... If you are in the area of those, you absolutely should check those out. I actually got to go to the California Is For Lovers date just this past weekend. It was um, it was very reminiscent of War Tour. And I know that's kind of like the vibe where people are trying to, you know, fill the space, whether it's like the sad summer festival or obviously what this is going on. But uh, it really did truly feel like that because um, Hawthorne Heights curates the entire festival as far as like hand picks bands. And usually it's bands that they love or have toured with or are friends with. And it's a great vibe. I mean, got to see so many friends there, but it really did kind of remind me of the, I don't know, like the early 2000s of Orb Tour, where you felt like you ran into all of your friends at one space in some hot parking lot in my case, it was a, a hot field <laughs> in California, but it was great. I got to see, you know, Touche More, Thrice, Further Seems Forever, Emery, just so many cool bands and cool friends. And uh, Thursday, I can't forget Thursday. Holy moly, there's a lot of bands I played. But regardless, I love to have this discussion with JT, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. So, if you want to support the show, you can always email the show at 100 wordspodcastgmailcom at gmail.com. Love to hear feedback and questions, concerns, whatever it is that you want to toss my direction. I always appreciate that. You can also, for $0, absolutely free, you can leave a rating and review on the Apple Podcast page or just leave a rating on the Spotify page where you listen to this podcast. I would appreciate it greatly. It helps out with the algorithm and discovery and all of those things that make marketing work appropriately. So let's dive into the discussion with JT right now. I will be completely transparent and honest with you because uh, we will be honest with each other. So I will... call a spade a spade when you know you guys first obviously came on market so to speak i mean i was working at an independent record store and uh you know the are like hawthorne heights was in, inescapable at a certain point and i totally i was just like yo this band's corny as hell like i don't <laughs> i don't I, like it, it's and understandably so like it was uh you know you you go through phases where it's just like oh yeah this like oh i love taking back sunday and like anything that comes after that it's just like oh whatever it's a rip off of this thing anyways um but what i find interesting about you know you guys and frankly other bands that you know people either like myself or others have just like completely written off because they're like ah it's not for me or whatever but the fact that you know you Not only persist, but obviously persevere through all of the you know ebbs and flows of our our beautiful music scene, and you know then people kind of retroactively be like, oh yeah, like you know if a person put me on the spot right now, be like, oh you know do you like Hawthorne Nights? And be like, well no, but dude, they're sick, like you know like I I the the perseverance, and so I'm sure some of that kind of gets reflected back on you in a way, and like do you almost kind of wear it as a uh not even a badge of honor, but just like you know, does that kind of register with you at all?
2: Oh yeah, definitely, one hundred percent and you know I will be the first to say that I'm not entirely sure that we're not corny first of all, <laughs> uh, anytime you know you have an undying passion, undying love for a music scene that started so tiny and you never thought would go anywhere or do anything, like you always wear your heart on your sleeve and like. I guess it's just different than like, you know, somebody like Mick Jagger that probably would give you an answer that's like, yeah, I, I'm a star. I knew I was a star. This was predestined. It was going to happen. I'm awesome. Um nobody thought anything would go down, you know, like the I always joke that like a year before our record went gold, I was working at a gas station. You yeah. know what I mean? Like so like we just wear all smiles because it's like you just feel great being invited to the party and sometimes like you get walled off from other people because you're like too enthusiastic about what you're doing. And like people like to be like cold shoulder types. And I'm like, man, let's just let's hang out and like just relax and talk about music and uh, we don't have to put up any sort of front or anything, you know? So mm-hmm. maybe that's that that can be considered corny to some. I, I fully agree. Um, and I understand the sentiment right i'm not I'm not mysterious is what I'm saying
1: no for sure and i I think that especially too like with what you're talking about, just the like the the control one has over their own art like clearly once it's out in the world, like you know you You have no control over it. Like people are going to do what they want with it and make up their own opinions about it. And you know, if they're just looking at a band through a very specific lens of like, oh yeah, that's that you know Ohio's for lovers band, like they're terrible or whatever. But then it's like, well yeah, they've put out like forty records after that. Like oh for real? (laughs) It's like yeah, they're still around and they're still you know not only drawing people but like their art means something. And I think that that you know that really does. Put things in a a different perspective because you really haven't, you know, from the musical side of things, like you've evolved and changed, but it's not, you're not unrecognizable, you know?
2: Yeah. And that was kind of always our path. It was like, you know, careers are going to go through peaks and valleys and the music scene is going to go through trends and different just types of subject matter and stuff like that. And we've always, unashamedly Ben Hawthorne Heights, you know, like there was a big boom in like the neon color movement. Uh, we never went into that. There was a big boom in like sound design and like theatrical metal core took over the scene and stuff like that. And that just wasn't our bag. So we just continued to, to, to do what we do, which is basically we're a band of people who like, you know, pop punk, traditional, hardcore, um, emo, screamo, anything melodic. And, you know, it, that's just kind of kind of our thing. I think that it's like this big melting pot that sometimes comes off semi-pop punk and sometimes it comes off, you know, emo, screamo or whatever. But it's really just a, a blend of everything that, that the bands that we love. And we've never been afraid to say... You know what? Taking back Sunday's sick. Thursday's right. incredible. The used are kings. You know what I mean? Like Jimmy World is untouchable. Like we're not afraid to say that. A lot of people, like you, you have that facade put up and said that's like, oh, you know, like the Smiths, the Cure. Um, that's about all we listen to. You know, like that's not the world. Like yes, we love everything, but when we were growing up doing rental hall shows and stuff, you know, playing with Coheed and Camry, was incredible for us playing with oh, newfound yeah. glory. You know what I mean? Like all these bands, like they're still sick. They're still putting out incredible music. And as much as some of them are our friends now, they're, we, they're still legends in our eyes. So like, we're not afraid to to just be who we are and that's to to be excited, to be invited to the party, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we'll reflect more on that in a little bit, but I know I'm not going to go too into your sort of biographical nature, so to speak, because you've clearly, you know, uh, strewn that about the internet. But like, were you actually? I was trying to decipher: were you born and raised in Dayton, or did you come up in like the surrounding suburbs?
2: Neither, actually. I, I have okay. kind of a weird, yeah, I have a weird background, man. Uh, I grew up in a tiny town in West Virginia called St. Mary's population of about a thousand nestled in the hills. Um, and I first saw a punk band called green day in 1994. And I never stopped. You know what I mean? Like I played football, I ran track, I was good at sports. There was nobody in my town that played guitar or anything like that. So I just wasn't exposed to any of that stuff. But the second that I first saw, um, green day when that album first blew up that was my first introduction to what california looked like and what punk rock looked like and everything like that so like you know you've you've flash forward a few years and um you know i go to college i drop out decide i want to do music full time and i moved to the to the one place that i thought that could happen which was dayton ohio
1: Right Of course, we're all naturally course, where dreams are made, obviously, yeah,
2: yes, absolutely. And you know what's really funny about that is one of my friends that was in my my band back in West Virginia, he had just graduated college and he moved uh, his his first job out of college was in a tiny town called Troy, Ohio, working for the Troy Daily News. Newspaper and I was like, I'm not doing anything. Let's keep the band together. I'll move up there because I was the lead singer in the band, and, and he was the guitar player, and we we wrote well together. And it was like, all right, I'll just follow you up there because obviously nothing's happening here. And I'd only heard of Dayton, Ohio, because of Guided by Voices, um, but I was excited to go, and it was a new adventure. And you know, West Virginia is a beautiful place, and my family still lives there, and I love to go back and visit. But it's not necessarily an entertainment mecca and the land of opportunity, so. I was just happy to be doing something new. Um, and, you know, I meet a whole new group of friends, start a new band, and, you know, the rest is kind of history. But, yeah, I really don't have any connection to Dayton, Ohio. I'm a transplant here. I, I moved here just like I was transferred here uh, for some other sort of job. You know what I mean? I got a job working at a gas station because I could walk there and then just kind of hustled music until we got signed.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's, well, I mean, West Virginia, that's a wild, I I mean, I personally, I mean, I know you have obviously played uh, many places around the country, but I think I've only played one show in West Virginia, and it was like some pizza parlor or whatever. But the, I, I mean, talk about a state that is shrouded in mystery for most people, and you probably have like an entirely different experience than what most people think West Virginia to be.
2: Yeah, I would definitely say that. I mean, I would say that, like, you know, where I grew up was like a tiny town nestled on the Ohio River. You know, when you go back to it, it it seems entirely beautiful. But when you were there, it just seemed so small and closed in that, like, you couldn't imagine wanting to stay there. Um, but, you know, that's where I first heard Hardcore, you know, a band called Zayo was from 15 miles up the road from me in a town called Parkersburg, West Virginia, another unlikely candidate for success. But um, you know, we would go to their shows back in the day and I had no idea what they were doing. They were just screaming, you know what I mean? And like they would kind of turn us on to music and stuff and you find out about, you know, a, a band like Shelter who had spent 2 years of their life living up the road in West Virginia at a at a Hare Krishna compound. And like So there, you go up and down the Ohio River of West Virginia, and there is a lot of DIY independent punk rock and stuff there. You just had to really search to find it out.
1: Right, yeah. No, that's (laughs) I love the, uh, yeah, just that idea. It's like as you, you know, your world expands, and once you start to get those little tidbits of information, like what you're talking about, how you can drop those anecdotes and really kind of reframe where it's like, oh. Oh yeah, like that's that's weird. I didn't think about that band from being from there. Like that band having that experience there. It's really cool to you know add that to your just random talking points and facts.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's entirely odd. You would think that like I would have never heard of any of these bands from where I'm from because the internet wasn't really that prevalent back then. You know, we're talking late '90s here, and uh, you know, you couldn't just click a button and figure out every band in the world. So you really had to kind of dig deep. Um, And, you know, Pittsburgh was three and a half hours down the road, uh, as was Cleveland and Cincinnati. So, like, once I hit that phase in my life where all I wanted to do was see punk rock bands and hardcore bands, like, I wasn't across the universe or anything, but I did have to earn it, which, you know, back then that's probably why we're all still here today because you had to earn it. You had to like, you had to want to drive three and a half hours to watch the suicide machines. You know what I mean? Like that just, that's how it is. And like, uh, I don't know. I, maybe that's why our generation is like kind of that last death rattle of like really, truly caring about something, uh, because you just had to earn it, you know, whether it's mowing a couple lawns so you can buy that CD just to find out that maybe it sucks. And then you listen to it 10 more times because you've invested in it. And then you're like, wait, actually, this is, this is their best album. This is (laughs) sick. I just needed to give it a chance. Um, yeah, so it's, it's weird. Like I wouldn't change anything. I, I, I think it's super cool. And, you know, every once in a while I'll kind of slide into my, I'm talking to my family's slow accent and I'll catch myself doing it. I'm like, wait, I'm not that person anymore. (laughs) <laughs> right, right, right.
1: Well, and I think to your point of the generational aspect, it's like we're we're the first re- you know, people, whatever, from thirty-five to you know, forty-five, we'll call it, that have experienced both pre internet in the infancy of it and then, you know, being digitally comfortable. Whereas like our parents obviously weren't, and then, you know, the generations that came after us, they know nothing but the internet. And so it's it's very interesting to see how that we we are at that juncture of like the last generation to feel both of those things.
2: Yeah, it kind of feels weird, doesn't it? It kind of feels like when you talk to your parents uh about, you know, what their generation was doing and like we are now a different generation of people and we're like, yeah, we we can satisfy ourselves and like uh placate our own boredom because We had to, when we were younger, we didn't have instantaneous entertainment. So if you wanted to hang out with your friend or skateboard or something like that, you literally had to go to their house, see if they were there and, and then hang out. Like it's the most analog thing in the world. It's ridiculous to think about doing that right now. (laughs) Sight unseen, no communication. Hey, I'm going to go over to Ray's house and see if he's in the basement, like jamming or something.
1: Totally, maybe, yeah, may, maybe I can run into him at the mall or whatever. It's like, yeah, you're just—it's pure happenstance that any of us not only found each other, but that actually were able to create, create relationships because it was all just you know stabbing in the dark.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it kind of it made you present, and like yes. I know it seems kind of kind of corny and cheesy, but like you had to be in the moment because that moment was the only thing that existed. You know, like. Yep. Everything else was in books. You know like now if I wanted to see what Dubai looked like or or Fiji, I could just google coffee shop in Fiji and I would basically be there. You know what I mean? Like before it was all in your in your head or in a book, so you had to be in that moment, which was, you know, probably why we all have such an appreciation for still being able to be in this band and to still be able to write songs and for have anybody to care about it whatsoever nothing's temporary you know yeah
1: oh for sure and i i think realistically that that is what is you know endearing about you know bands that are able to you know not only exist but persist and release music like it, it does make people understand their not only legitimacy in the space but know the fact that it's like oh yeah like that's Cool, they're doing their thing, not because I know it's like the, the idea of like, oh, you guys are still doing your thing, where it's just like, you know, it sounds so dismissive,
2: <laughs> but cute. it's like, oh, cute, yeah. you're on that band, nice, <laughs> totally, totally, totally. It's like,
1: oh, J- JT, what are you gonna like, you know, grow up or whatever? It's like, well, I did, but I just happened to still be playing in, you know, this dumb band or whatever. It's fine, right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, bummer, career musician, Greg, you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's totally. like this, this is the stuff that, uh, dreams are made of and and people are like, they can be dismissive about it or make it seem like seem ordinary. And you're like, this is like literally uh, a one in a 5 billion chance that somebody (laughs) could be living in West Virginia, figure out how to play guitar at 19 right-handed when they're left-handed. And then four years later, they're like a career musician. Like that's, I think that's where the majesty is and that's where the magic is that like you can't, you can't pry it from our hands because we do realize how like special and fun it is. And, you know, it's a grind, obviously, but um, it's great.
1: Yeah, for sure. I know your family life was, uh, you know, chaotic in regards to like you've spoken, you know, at length in regards to, you know, the alcohol abuse in your family, which is what drove you to be straight edge. Um, you know, even though you weren't necessarily aware that that was like the label when you apply it to yourself and your practices, um, your, your experience and it, do you have siblings as well? I missed that part of your bio, bio as it were.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I have one older sister. So like, yeah, like growing up to a, I wouldn't even say it was like an aggressive alcohol situation. It was more like a really passive one, which okay. is just. Um, lack of joy, you know what I mean? Like no, like, no camaraderie or anything like that from your parents because you don't really understand what they're going through when one of them's an alcoholic, but you don't see it because it's not, like, violent and, like... It's more, like, apathetic, you know what I mean? So, like, as a kid, you don't really see that, but my sister being five years older than me, you know, I was in sixth grade when my parents split, and we... We we left for West Virginia, so my uh, sister would have been in eleventh grade. You really have a deeper understanding of what's happening around you at that point in your life. You know, me, I was just a kid and you know getting ready to leave middle school, so like I didn't really know much, but uh, but yeah, so but we have a great relationship because of that. Because you know, like I'll ask her questions about how her life was growing up compared to how mine was because my my memory is a little bit more foggy where hers is a little bit more razor focused because she would see she would notice the signs and notice uh, when everything was falling apart and to me like we just woke up one day and we're leaving my father behind you know what I mean so it's like interesting to have that sort of relationship and conversation with her
1: yeah absolutely to have because I mean it is to even though people can grow up in the same exact, you know, household and you know maybe even be closer in age than what you and your sister are, you can have so vastly different experiences and then both of you connecting on that same experience, you could be, you know, describing it so differently and it's those nuances that you absorb from one another that you're able to actually like put it in a in more clear focus.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, like I said it wasn't an abusive thing. So like abuse is is like in your face. You know what I mean? It's like you notice it and it sticks with you forever. This was, I would consider it not not even lack of love, just nothing, just non-existent. You know what I mean? Like I I had no relationship with my father whatsoever because he was an alcoholic through my entire childhood. So like right. very disconnected is what I would say. So I was fortunate that there was no like physical or mental abuse or anything like that. It was basically. Being around somebody who isn't there.
1: Yo, as always, this show is brought to you by rockabilia.com and they have an amazing promo code for you to dive into 100 words or less that gets you 10% off your entire order. They are a Absolute warehouse slash repository slash Costco like environment for you to buy band merch. I don't care if it's t-shirts, hoodies, like you know, we're going into the fall season. Maybe start to think about long sleeves, how they can incorporate in your life, some some hoodies, all that sort of stuff. They have so many cool things that I urge you to go to their website and just poke around, have fun. You'll be able to find things as eclectic as like oh cool like obviously there's some some metallica some you know queen but then you can also dive into like you know aerosmith bad company bring me the horizon you know it's just it's all across the board but that's what makes rockabilly cool because you can get something for yourself and get something for a friend they ship from the midwest gets to you lickety split amazing customer service punk and hardcore kids work there it ticks a lot of the boxes for things that i personally like to support and rockabilia.com is something i wholeheartedly support so again promo code is 100 words or less 10% off your entire order you cannot lose by using that promo code and it just makes you look you know cool cuz you're saving money and then obviously the company knows that this podcast sent you so please use that and benefit greatly across the board so rockabilia.com 100 words or less is the promo code. Enjoy shopping. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to, like, get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. Going through school and doing all that, like, did you care about it? Did you? I mean, like you said, you you know play track and football and stuff like that. Were you, I guess, participatory, or were you really kind of on the outside once music really started to take a grasp of you?
2: No, I would. I'm kind of like all into what I'm doing, and I still really like the things that I grew up doing. You know, like I still watch football every single Saturday and Sunday during the season. Um, I still love that. I still and I love to play basketball, um, everything like that. So I never even started considering being in a band till I was out of high school. So being from a small town, like you either had sports or art, you know, that was basically it. And I hadn't even discovered that I wanted to do anything musical whatsoever because it didn't even seem like an option. You know, people on like when I saw Green Day on the TV, I wasn't like, I could do that. Look at that guy. Right. It was like, it was like, that's a unicorn. I don't even know if that guy really exists, but because they're not around here, people like that don't look, don't look like that, you know? And, um, when I first started meeting, like, I would say punks, you know, like at college, that's when I first heard minor threat because, you know, like people are asking you if, oh, you want to drink, you want to go to this party? I'm like, actually, I don't drink, you want to smoke? No, I don't, I actually don't do anything. And they're like, you're straight edge. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what that means. So like, you know, finding out that I'm straight edge at 19 years old and then being able to check back on an iconic band from the 80s is hilarious. If you think about it, you know what I mean? But then you go all in because your your brain is able to take it in. You know, you're like you're like a full fledged adult. So you're like, oh, my God. That was one of the first time of, times in my life that I realized that there were people like me, right? You know what I mean, like that just didn't drink or didn't party because you know in small towns that's like pretty. All I do, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah There's yeah, nothing yeah. to do. You you just you can't break out of it, and um, yeah. So it was like, oh okay, I'm not just punk. I'm also straight edge. Weird. Right. There's a label. You know there's a <laughs>
1: label. Right. There's a label for me because like it's it's really you do feel that sense of authorship when you can apply a label to yourself, you know, realistically at any age, like, I mean, obviously there's less of a need to do it when you're an adult, like, you know, saying you're straight at 42 is like, you know, most people are just like, what the hell are you talking about? But (laughs) when you do have that idea, that's like, oh, there's something that I'm already passionate about. And then on top of it, there's a label for it. And there's a community for it. Like, wow, I can just buy in. This is great.
2: Yeah, I mean that really was the first time in my life that I, I started to like feel like I belonged, right? In that punk community, in that like that DIY community, in the straight edge community, and hardcore, everything like that. Like the best thing is, is like reading the liner notes back then. You know, like you you were able to do everything in reverse, but you had like it was like a buffet was opened.
0: You know what yeah. I mean?
2: Like oh, no effects. Or you go Green Day, no effects. Straight into like you know somehow down the road you fall into Earth Crisis, and then you get Snap Case, and then you know like all this stuff happens, and then you know you dig even deeper, and then you hear a band like I Hate Myself, and you're like, whoa, that right. dude is thinking about heartbreak. So we're not we're no longer you know militant or anything. We're talking about stuff that is happening in our own personal lives. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this gives you an outlet to do it. So that's kind of really what kind of led me in, is hearing bands that were more autobiographical um, and times that you could hear somebody singing and feeling uh, like you knew that person. Um, Yeah, but like just just hearing those bands for the first time, it was like, wow, There's, there's like, you thought that you were like a rare bird and that you didn't fit in anywhere, and now you're like, I don't know that I'm necessarily ordinary, but I'm ordinary to them, and that's sick,
1: right? Yeah, it's like the oh, there there are friends, like there's friends they're people understand shorthand what I am talking about, and it's sort of the influence that we could potentially have on one another. It's like yeah, it's the, like you said, the world opens up where it's there's so many possibilities
2: yeah definitely and you know like then, then you dig into the the sub of everything and and it's even more fun you know like uh instead of joining a frat uh i i figured out i was straight edge and then you know maybe a year later i i figured out how to play guitar and joined a band and like uh yeah. you know n- never looked back because now you like see somebody and they're like yeah i started playing guitar at 12 years old And then I stopped when I was 15 because it was boring. And then I, you know what I mean? Like you start so early that like you can totally get out of your musical phase before you even fell in love with it. You know, it's just a little, a a little thing that you go through. But back then, like nobody was doing that. Like Mm -hmm. you didn't see anybody like, and like my first concert was boys to men and TLC, you know? So I wasn't even going to like punk shows until I was like, 19 or 20 or something like that and a lot of that probably has to do with how the scene just like massively exploded and like Mm -hmm. you know punk ska all that stuff and anything adjacent to it you know it's hilarious to to say yeah i I heard uh descendants in 1996 when (laughs) everything sucks came out and like that was or bad religion literally on stranger than fiction you know what i mean like anybody that was from any other area already knew about this stuff years ago um sure. so it was kind of liberating in a way because you have so much to dive into and you're not right. waiting for new bands to come out you're like holy hell i haven't even made it through bad religion yet i can't i can't get to <laughs> you know lifetime we're we're right. 20 years from that i got i got to keep going you know
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's so much to unpeel and unfurl. What did you what were you studying in college?
2: Uh, I was studying nuclear medicine technology, which is basically uh, chemotherapy and uh, cancer treatment and stuff like that. And the reason I was going to that is because I'm I've typically been very good at science and and biology and things like that. And I just had a, a general, uh, want to help. Um, and you know, like, I, I don't know, probably because I come from a, a fractured home and it just felt like my way of, I don't know, finding a way to not make somebody ever feel like I ever felt, or it was just like, I don't know, maybe, Maybe I could get a good job if it was in the medical field. You know, sure. I was only in college for a year and a half. So, like, I would have been happy doing anything. But that that was the line of thinking. The line of thinking was, uh, you know, I always did really well in school. And, you know, it sounded cool to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea of, I mean, because especially, too, what you're talking about, where you started to, once music articulated itself to you of you know, emotion and being able to express yourself and like, you just really, you kind of get into that idea of, you know, service, whatever that may mean, whether it's, you know, in service of, you know, a nonprofit in service of the, you know, taking care of people, like you just start to be more, you know, sensitive and empathetic to that idea. And so I could totally understand where you're like, oh yeah, like I want to help in some way. And like, maybe this is a way that I can maybe focus my energy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that, that you're dead on. I think that's exactly, exactly where that stems from.
1: Um, kind of fast forwarding to the idea, like, I I know you have been, you know, sort of self-deprecating and made jokes about obviously having like no idea to operate at the levels that you guys were, you know, thrust into once, you know, you became a band that was like, Oh my God, we're selling a lot of records. And like, we didn't even know what that meant, you know, whatever, three months ago. (laughs) And, you know, like given like high profile things like playing late night shows and all these things that, you know, still are like, I actually it was funny w- watching some of those videos, you know, yesterday, I was just like, this is so funny, because like, you guys, for sure, were like trying to make an impression. But at the same time, we're also just like, totally average, you know, because you didn't want to like, terrify the audience. Or <laughs> but, but, but it's so so it's like, I, I could see all this, like, push, pull stuff that's happening probably in your guys' heads, whether you had a, you know, a recognition of it or not. Um, You know, given the perspective that you have now, you know, I'm sure that there is stuff that you would, you know, not go back and change per se, because obviously all roads lead to where you're at right now, which is obviously the pinnacle of your existence on this podcast. But um, the idea that you could probably be like, oh, yeah, like, given what I know now, how, how would I approach this particular instance or the way that, you know, we presented ourselves here? Or, is it true that you would just be like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we, you know, did these things and maybe look like idiots or whatever.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you're kind of dead on, like everything happens so fast that like, you're really at that point just trying to keep up and like Uh you, you, you don't have time to be excited about anything because the job needs to be done. So like when you get something like, Oh, Conan O'Brien, you're like, oh, that's sick. Oh, wait, it's right in the middle of the tour, so we got to do 17 tour dates. Uh, we have one day off, and then we got another 34 tour dates. It was never right. like, uh, you know, like when you watch now. When I look back at it, uh, and I watch these these same videos that you're talking about every couple of years, and I'm like, wow, we actually sound pretty okay for really not having it together. So like sure. we <laughs> had we had no sound guy. No monitor guy. We just strolled in, and like whoever their tech people are—the people that are working for uh, us—that day—and you know they're they might have had Paul McCartney the night before. You know what I mean? And we're like this band that is strolling in, uh, just with like regular stuff on. And uh, the the thing that I look back on it most is, you know, I'll notice immediately now how somebody is like dressing the set to like look really impressive or fancy and like to maybe theme like the album and stuff like that. Like all these like massive major label artists like have this budget to like make it look like beautiful and this wonderful world that they're porting the television into. And we're like just these five guys wearing what we would wear on stage that night, you know, playing at Starland Ballroom in Jersey or something like that. And like, you know, maybe one of us is wearing like a, like an Anne Berlin shirt or some, just a, or a Bayside shirt. Some, one of our friends, like we did not even consider wardrobe for the biggest look that we would ever have. You know what I mean? Like, and nobody sat us down and told us that. So like it's not like Victory Records was like, hey, guys, you're going to be on national TV tomorrow. We've got some outfits uh, picked out for you or we have a, we brought in a stylist and you can pick out whatever you want because it's an important moment for you guys. It was like, nah, they booked us at a hostel in on the like worst part of New York City. And we had to like somehow get down there. You know what right. I mean? Like it was, it was, sur- so much- it was
1: survival. Survival. That's like all it was.
2: Yes, it totally was and the fact that like we got through it without having like you didn't even kind of really didn't even know what like a panic attack or an anxiety attack was back then. but the fact that we could get through that and sound okay, sound pretty mm-hmm. good without any like we weren't using any your monitors. There was no <laughs> such thing as like live autotune or definitely not for a band like us. you know what I mean so like what what you see and what you hear, is really just the the house mixing person and like what you what you see is literally what we strolled out of the hostel in and what we were wearing and you know like that was normal to us and i think that like you know when you look at some of the other bands that did it like you know census fail or thursday or somebody like that they all kind of look like us too and maybe that was the appeal you know because if you think about when we were all kids like the first time that you saw somebody like Nirvana or, or even Green Day or something, they were kind of strolling out the same way and they were trying and they were like trying to remain punk and, and grunge and everything like that. So, like, I think that's probably why we didn't even think about it. We didn't even yeah. consider like you, you need to get like dolled up for the prom or whatever. We were just like, Oh hey man, are you gonna wear that uh silverstein shirt or are you wearing the used shirt or like what what are you wearing? I just want to make sure that we're not wearing the same band shirt It yeah, wasn't we can't, like
1: we't double up right <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> it it wasn't like hey dudes, we're all wearing purple in this one and uh it's gonna match the backdrop you know like it was just <laughs> it was really chill and you know maybe that's why we never really thought about it you know like you're you're obviously when you're when when uh jay leno's sparkly blue eyes are staring a hole in you or max weinberg is literally watching you in in probably what you think is disgust right uh you know what i mean because it's like we're not on a click we're not on anything we're just we are hanging on for dear life <laughs> right look at these here. idiots what, what are yes. these
1: children here for
2: right <laughs> Yeah, who booked this band? You know <laughs> what I mean like how
1: did they, they sneak in here? This seems weird. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that.
2: Yeah, but so like you got you don't really have time to like uh to stop and smell the roses. You are like, "Hey man, we survived that." That's sick. Like yeah. we 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 live to tell the tale and tomorrow we're playing a sold out show at, you know, Irving Plaza or or whatever and it's like wow. You know, it was never like Hey guys, uh you aren't on tour in this little time. How about we fly you out to LA and you you know, you rehearse and then you go play Jay Leno. It was like, right. nah, can, can we fit should we cancel a show? Or should we try to fit that in? You know what I mean? It was all like- Let's just stack
1: all these opportunities. Yeah, no, you're, I I mean, because that's very symptomatic of that era because I do think to your point, it felt like, I mean, everybody was recognizing, like when I say everybody, everybody in independent music world recognized the trend that was happening and the scene that was being built around it. And it totally felt like, the collective scene had wedged their foot, the door to this weird mainstream attention. And it's like, let's shove it in as quickly as possible. Cause we know this door is going to close. We don't know exactly <laughs> when, but it's going to close.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like I said, you're like, you're just running as fast as you can and hoping right. that your, your lungs and your heart can, can keep up with you. Um, right. Because like none of us ever thought, this was even close to a possibility because all of our favorite bands were basically small bands. You know what I mean? Like it's like the top of the world, who would the top of the world be? Somebody like, uh, sunny day real estate or something like that. You know, they're not, they're not playing like Madison square garden or something like that. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. So you, you definitely knew, when are they going to make us fumble this and they're going to run the ball back the other way and we're never going to see it again? You know what I mean? Like you just knew that that was going to happen. So like anytime we got any of that, like real deal mega look stuff, like being on the radio and I don't mean like specialty programming. I mean the actual radio, they had to start playing us because they felt foolish not to. They're like, this band is on the charts and they are like, you know, they have a record coming out that is going to chart top five and we are not playing their songs. Are we stupid? Like, what's happening here? Why are we not playing this rock band songs? So like, you kind of get a foot in the door sometimes because people don't want to look foolish that they missed out on the opportunity of catching somebody um, and being a part of that story. So like, yeah, you, you just see like, Everybody's gotta kind of look at the trends and everything and see how it, how it stacks up. And like, yeah, there was a time where every programmer was like, okay, who's the next big uh, screamo band or emo band or whatever this genre is called, who is popping right now? And that was the hippest person in the world. You know what I mean? Like finding these bands that were selling, you know, 2000 tickets in each market with no support whatsoever. Like no radio, no video, no MTV, nothing. They're just, yep. it's a groundswell. So they needed to also feel like they kind of got it too. So right. yeah, it, w- it was happy to like slide through the crack for a little bit and be a hologram into into totally. the world of, of mass market media.
1: Our friends at evilgreed.net love to support this show and I love them for it, even before. I was aware of what they did, which is basically offering web store solutions for bands and record labels to sell their stuff. They're based in Berlin, Germany. But you, the consumer, you can go to their website, evilgreed.net, and shop to your heart's content. And I know, you heard me say that they're from Berlin, Germany, and you're like, I'm a little scared to order from Europe. I'm based in the United States. Trust me, the shipping rates are advantageous for us, and you can use this promo code most important thing, 100 words that gets you 10% off of your entire order. And some of the most recent items that they've put up, this just gives you a sense of the type of artists and bands and record labels they're working with. They just recently launched a, you know, end pre-order or how about magnitude? How about gouge away? How about tsunami? Like you get it basically as long as it is heavy and slash artistic, they got something going on with there and then plus like linguada or i'm totally butchering her name right now but anyways she launched a new project the vocalist of that and uh stuff's on pre order there so it's spectacular just go to evilgreed.net use the promo code 100 words it gets you 10% off your order and you can get like vinyl t-shirts i don't care what it is they got it and they have a very specific point of view which makes it even cooler because you know that you can buy stuff almost like, you know, sight unseen. Like, I'll bet you if you just bought like a grab bag from them, you would get, you know, like out of the five shirts you would get, like you would love four and a half of them. I'm just saying half because you can't like all five. But anyways, nonetheless, evilgreed.net.
0: 100 words is a promo code. Go enjoy shopping.
1: Something that also in, intrigues me about you know when you guys get to those you know levels and you're like you said kind of existing in this world that you know not only could you never imagine but you know d- don't feel like you're actually living it yourself. I, I'm sure that you know once people started to uh, put the the pressure on, whether it was obviously. Tony being like we need a record immediately or whether it was obviously management you were working with like did you feel pressure as things started to mount or did you do pretty good to sort of insulate yourself from that pressure
2: I mean absolutely you feel pressure going because you know when we made our first record the silence in black and white there was zero pressure at, at- all because nobody had ever heard of us you didn't you didn't even really have a have a handle on who you were let alone like anybody had any expectations for you. But then the uh, roller coaster just kept climbing. So like you were, you were waiting for a breath of fresh air at one point and you never got it because it just kept growing and growing and growing. So now it's like uh, we never got to, to reach the pinnacle of what the silence in black and white could be because our label wanted us to make another record really quickly to try and maintain maintain that momentum. So when you try to maintain momentum, you have to stop something else that was was happening. Um, and you know, and to get into the studio. But you know, we were always a band since we were always under pressure anyway. That like we we needed that pressure on ourselves to enforce the deadline to be like, all right, this is the day that our album has to come out. This is, these are the studio dates. It doesn't matter if we have good enough songs. We have to. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and and that kind of drove you. So like you never had the, we never got that like really sick, cushy major label contract where they're like, Hey dudes, if you guys want to go write uh, a record in big Sur for the next three years, as long as you come out with 12, you know, undeniable golden hits uh, will fund it. It was more like, no, you need to get into the studio immediately to try and capitalize on this before it dies off. And we need more songs to promote. So it was more like that. And that's kind of how like a lot of of indie labels were because like you just had no scope. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like you had no concept of like, is this going to die? Is it going to go on forever? Is it, you know, can we sell 5 million records instead of 1 million records? You know, like you have no idea. And for us, we're like, Oh, sick. We get to record more songs. Yeah. You're like, I can't
1: can't believe we're here. Right. Exactly.
2: (laughs) And I can't believe we get a a decent budget to like, you know, record with somebody that we've heard of. Awesome. This is going to be fun. Totally. The,
1: When you, you know, started to, I guess, ramp down the hamster wheel of touring that you guys were on, obviously, for many, many years, um, you know, clearly, you still kept creating and obviously, you know, releasing music here and there. Um, But, you know, it, it got to a point where you obviously had to exist more in, quote unquote, real life and, you know, be present more at home than you were away. Was that a difficult transition for you or was that something you were, you know, excited to be present more at home?
2: Uh, I mean, man, it's tough because really the only time that we've like, let's say grinded to a halt Mm -hmm. was, uh, with the death of our guitar player, Casey, because obviously that's a, a monumental event that you don't take lightly. And you're not like, all right, who's playing guitar for us? Yep. That's not the situation. It's like, we don't know if we're going to be in a band anymore. We're just trying to figure out and navigate losing our best friend that we're never going to see again. So that was a monumental time frame for us where we had to mentally stop. Right. Um, so basically just that. And then um, COVID. COVID. Like we have been ramped firing on all cylinders every day other than those two major life events. So, you know, like when we got married, we basically all got married right around the same time because we all had to take that time off directly after Warp Tour uh, 2005 and directly before making our record, uh, If Only You Were Lonely. So we're like, okay, well, I'm going to get married on this day. When are you getting married? Uh, you know what I mean? Like if you're going to do it, you got to do it right now. Otherwise you're going to wait three years. So whoever wants to get married, let's get married then. Um, you know, it's just kind of like that. And then like, you know, I'm getting ready to have, uh, our kid and like, we're on warp tour 2007 and like my daughter's supposed to be born with a week left for the tour. Uh, so like I have two cell phones on me i have my tour manager looking at the phones not watching us play not doing anything like that just looking to see if my wife goes into labor right. um and like literally like it, the last two weeks of work tour like it was really starting to like affect me and like um the funny thing is is the Dexter from the offspring was on that tour and he was like, Hey, I heard your wife's going to have a kid. Don't worry, man. I fly myself in and out of every show. I'll fly you to Cincinnati if I have to. Whoa. And I, yeah. And, and I, that's like one of those moments that just kind of seemed ordinary, but like you look back on, it, and it's like, man, a band that I love was going to fly me to uh, witness the birth of my daughter and uh, he was happy to do it. it was like, you know, that's when you're like, that's why we're always smiling. You just have so many moments that like, that outweigh all the bad things that have happened. And like, you were a fan first, you know what I mean? So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that that's yeah. really well, and I, I guess just the idea that you have been able to over time, find the balance between being on tour and, you know, being home and present and what have you. Cause I, I do, I mean, you've seen it a million times over where if bands don't ha- like, you know, refill the tank of experiences of like what it's like to be an actual human, as opposed to touring for 300 days out of the year, you just end up writing, you know, some shades of <laughs> similar subject matter that you had done in the past or what have you. And so I, th- that, that's, that's where I was more curious about like, you know, how you're able to, I guess, have both of those experiences um, without losing the perspective of, you know, who you are as a human.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it it is kind of like y- you can, you can be living a double life and not realize it sometimes because right. of that. You have to compartmentalize all the bad things that happen while on tour or all that boredom, especially if you don't like, kind of, if you don't use substances or anything, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've been straight edge forever through all of this. I don't have the, I can't crack a couple beers, uh, to, to like melt away the sorrows after a, a hard night or whatever, you know what I mean? I just kind of got to sit there in my thoughts and maybe that's helpful to me because I can kind of work it out. But, um, but yeah, you know, like, I think one of the, one of the main reasons is, is that. Uh, my wife and I have been together since 2001 and Mm -hmm. she is the Nikki FM from the song, Nikki FM. She's the reason that there's an Ohio is for lovers and all that stuff. And like, that's not lost on me at all. You know, like anytime we're going through something or had been going through something, I find a way to work it in to, to what I'm doing to, to kind of write myself out of it and to give me the perspective that I need to like, to understand when this life can be too much for her because to me, it's like, it's all about the the art of the grind. You know what I mean? It's like being a, a musician, being in the punk world or being in the DIY world and stuff like that. Like it is sleepless nights and you are working nonstop, but I'm lucky to have a, a very supportive person in my life that like, You know, understands when I'm like losing it, that like she's a stabilizer for me and that like going home is exactly what I need at that time because, uh, you know, we still enjoy each other. And like that, that's kind of hard to say for somebody that's been a musician forever and, you know, been on the road as much as I've been home. And like, yeah, having being able to have that balance and being able to be present when you're home and be able to to like just do little things like, you know, send texts at the appropriate time of when you're feeling something and stuff like that. Like that kind of comes with being an adult and and truly caring for somebody. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that it's kind of rooted in that that small town wonder that I'm always like kind of wide eyed about everything. And, um, and, you know, also, you know, like, we're pretty rational to a fault, you know what I mean? We had one child on purpose, because we knew that this life was going to be pretty wild. And we knew that, like, if my career continued, there's no possible way that I could leave my wife home with one kid, let alone two kids, constantly while I'm gone you know that's not fair to either of us because emotionally it just drains me that I can't be there and for her it's like you know having to be on the spot at all times and uh, it's just you know if you don't look at it like really level headed and really rational like uh, it's really hard to get through so I'm I'm very fortunate that we can kind of always talk through everything and understand when the schedule gets a little bit wild and um you know it's great to have a friend that's your spouse that you know you can name a song after yeah
1: yeah exactly uh i'm sure this more so from the idea of kind of going back to the you know just super weird random opportunities that had been you know granted like when obviously the band was at it's like you know weird peak that we were talking about uh, the, you know, sync opportunities where it's like, oh, we're going to put Hawthorne Heights in this, you know, whatever, Subaru commercial and stuff like that. I'm sure there was those random things that you said yes to and there was random things that you probably said no to because you're like, I you know, we can't be in a Dell computer commercial or whatever. Like, um, <laughs> is there anything that that, that strikes your memory uh, when I bring something like that up?
2: Not really because, you know, we were on Victory Records. They, they called all the stuff. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's not like we were on the Electra soundtrack. I I don't know why. We were on the Underworld Evolution soundtrack. Uh, I don't know why. And, you know, like, I think it's a cool opportunity because having, you know, grown up listening to soundtracks, I wouldn't really care about the movie at all. Just if it had sick artists on it, that was awesome. Um, You know, so like being, I guess being just being able to be on a soundtrack is like a little tiny benchmark but yeah we never really had any control over that but i don't remember anything happening that was like oh my gosh i cannot believe <laughs> they're pitching our music like that you know i mean i yeah. guess one of those moments maybe it was like jersey shore because it's like ultra cringe but um sure. you know what i mean but like who cares you know yeah like, right like, that's, that's,
1: know. A, yeah, that's yeah that's that's not That's not going to be this, you know, this, this scarlet letter. It's just like, I was playing the background Jersey Shore. No big deal. It's fine.
2: Yeah. We never really like, I mean, I was punk, but I wasn't that punk. I wasn't like, you know what I mean? Like, what am I going to do? Stand up to to the label or something like that? Because they tried to put my song and meet the parents or something like that, you know, like, but, uh. (laughs) can't throw your body in front of that one yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, you know like the the only opportunity that we got that was kind of a bummer and i don't know that i've ever told this story but we uh we wrote this song before um if only you were lonely came out and we we worked on it with howard or sorry uh, david bendeth mm. and um which is one of the reasons that we went to him for that record because we had a good time working on this song and it was for the bad news bears remake. Oh, um,
1: sure. Sure.
2: Yeah. So we wrote a song called light sleeper and, uh, we just did not know what we were doing. We were, we wrote a Hawthorne Hyde song. You know what I mean? We just wrote a, a song that we would wrote, we would like, and that our fans would like, and it's got screaming and it's like, you know, has the little sunny day, emo parts to it and it's intricate and meanwhile they're wanting like i don't know they're probably wanting like some sort of like 80s banger or something like that and like we're like you asked us to write this song (laughs) and like you know i love the i love the original bad news bears movie so i'm just in heaven but like you didn't give us any parameters or anything it's not like they were like all right this song needs to sound like a home run uh, right after Billy Bob Thornton just yelled at whoever else is in the movie. You know what I mean? Like we were given nothing. It was just like, hey, you know, this this guy likes you. He wants you to write a song. Uh,
0: yeah. So
2: it didn't make it in the movie, but it was a good experience. And that's the one time that like we actually had control over it. It was like something that was uh, like a, a, a cool opportunity for us. And we blew it. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, or, well, you, you, you understood the assignment, but the assignment was not clear to you. So that technically wasn't your fault per se. I wouldn't say you blew it, but yeah, you're just, you know, you were like you said, writing a Hawthorne Heights song, which obviously that's not what they were looking for. So why should they even ask you in the first place?
2: Yeah, very, it's kind of a bizarre, (sighs) uh, bizarre thing. And it's not like, it's not like they set us down with like some songwriters and we're we're like, Hey, we got these like a list guys in here and they're going to help you craft the perfect, uh, teen baseball comedy song, it was like, uh, go ahead, write a Hawthorne Heights song. And it was like, all right, we did. Here you go. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So that's just like being painfully unaware of really what you're supposed to be doing. Like now, like I could, I could approach it in a way that would be Hawthorne Heights, but would also be Bad News Bears. But back then it was like, nah, this is sick. You know, we're in a studio right across from New York city and we're just, writing a song for Billy Bob Thornton this is great
1: yeah oh of course right you you could you know with maturity and perspective you can view it through the lens and you probably would have been able to crush it now in 2023 as opposed to you know whatever in the the 2000s where you like you said you were just operating off of instinct yep the um this this is kind of I follow follow me along here the uh, the idea of you know people make fun of uh, a band like the Chainsmokers where it's just like you know they're a massive band no one has any idea what they look like um <laughs> but it, it's one of those things where I I've always been uh you admired you guys where it's like you are visible like people know what you guys look like but it's one of those things where you have never put yourselves so far out there to have that like level of recognition that is probably you know uh, prohibitive or crushing to where it's just like oh my gosh like i can't even go to the grocery store or whatever um I presume that is like uh, not only deliberate for yourself and like obviously giving the, you know, those, those boundaries, or was that just something because you're like, Oh, we're just normal looking dudes. So like no one even cares what we look like or whatever.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for me, it's probably, you know, like I'm the lead singer, but I also wear glasses, which is, you know, I wear a very specific type of Ray-Ban glasses. So it just kind of, it unintentionally looks like a trademark. So people kind of, kind of know what you look like. Do you know what I mean? Like it's sure it's un, it's unintentional, but, uh, I mean, I just wear a classic pair of branded glasses. Um, but yeah, you know, like in our hometown, like people definitely know who we are. And like, if we're at the grocery, we're definitely getting talked to. And, you know, that's the beauty of staying in the town that you're from. Um, it gets a little bit weird when I like I'll go to the either the parent teacher conferences or like the orientation uh, yeah. for the ne- for the next year of of my uh, daughter's school, and then the teacher, if it's a young person, will be like, "Wait a minute, your last name's Woodruff. Wait, <sighs> that's definitely who this is." Uh, right. and then, you know, like they'll start talking about it and my daughter will be like, she's super proud of us and really starting to understand everything. Cause she like comes to the shows and like works with us and hangs out and everything. But like sh- now she kind of understands the, it, the cultural impact from this region in 2004 and how all these people that are like teachers now, it was a part of their, like their high school and their childhood and everything. And like, there early on in like eighth grade. It was like embarrassing. It was like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, they know who you are. And I was like, that's actually a good thing. Like you look like you have cool parents. They know a song about your mom and they know who your dad is. That's cool. Right. Not like, you know what I mean? Like you don't have a cringe worthy. Like, right, right, right. No, you don't have the dad that has like bad facial hair and is like, you know, an accountant or uh you know something like that not that there's anything wrong with that but like that's like a regular guy you have a little bit more than that and like that should be fun uh but it's you know kids are kids but uh yep but yeah it, it's a blast you know what i mean like we still live here because other than the weather we do enjoy it and like it's where we're from and it and we consider it home and everything and uh you yeah. know like but yeah like we i guess probably cuz our like, you know, growing up in a, in a tiny town and also like listening to punk and stuff like that, like there wasn't really a uniform and like, we never really hit that. Like, okay guys, we we're we're a massive band now. We've, we've sold, you know, a couple million records. We've been on Jay Leno. Now we got to start looking like you too. Uh, We never really had that phase, you know what I mean? Like we didn't have like... We didn't, try, there's not one guy that's like, okay, well, you're like the colorful hair guy, so you're dyeing your hair green for the rest of our career, or, yeah, we just never really had that. It was all pretty chill, pretty, uh, you know, dark jeans, dark shirt, and, uh, you know, band yeah. or something like that. So, like, you know.
1: You didn't need to, of- right. You, yeah, you didn't need to, you know, uh, like, you... you let the things around you change rather than changing yourselves as individuals to mold, whatever. I mean, obviously you've done that musically, so it makes sense that you also stay consistent as human beings as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird having a level head to be honest with you. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) it totally. Yeah. uh, Yeah. It can, it can, it can feel like, man, are we too like boring? Are we too average? Or is this like, are we endearing because we are very similar to the people who listen to us? You know what I mean? Like it can it can be taken in a lot of different ways, but like I I think realistically we just are who we are. You know what I yeah. mean? And like if you need more than that, maybe we're not in the band for you. Or if, you know, you like regular guys who are excited about playing their own songs and playing with bands that they love on a daily basis, then maybe we are the band for you, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. You're you're definitely touchable from that perspective. It's not this, uh, you know, oh, man, Hawthorne Heights, like, larger than life. It's like, no, nah, like, you know, we're idiots making stupid T-shirts standing in front of, you know, leafy walls. Like, that's what we're going to be. Like, that's what,
2: that's what we're always Absol- doing. As advertised. You know yes, what I mean? Exactly. We, it's, <laughs> totally. uh it, Yeah, we, we are we're on brand uh, to maybe a fault sometimes. But, like, you know, they're there doesn't need to be mystery surrounding any of this. You know, these are all basically three or four chord songs uh, inspired by everybody that we think are great bands.
1: Right. There's no artifice. Yes, that's for sure. Yeah. The, uh, the last thing I want to hit on was the, uh, obviously the, you know, is for lovers festival and the, you know, I think most people like when you guys started because correct me if I'm wrong, like 2022 is when you first did the, you you did the festival. But then now, you know, you're obviously rolling it out across the country, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. did uh, three of them in last year in 2022, uh, Kansas, Colorado and Ohio. And, you know, that's kind of like our whatever. If you want to be on the Shark Tank, that's our proof, proof of concept yep. uh, to see that we could physically do it if you build it will they come Mm -hmm. uh that sort of scenario and like this year um after the success of last year we got a, a lot more interest and uh you know we're hoping that we don't drop the ball so to speak and we're really just trying to like be careful stewards of a genre that we love and that we perform in um, and we're just trying to grow it from there and to keep it relevant and to to give people that are similar to us a place to play or a place to go to a show. Um, so that and, and you know, like we're trying to do it in in wild locations that you never thought you would see emo go. And right. um that's the most fun for us. you know, like we just did Lake Tahoe is for lovers uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's like, It took us 20 years to play Tahoe, let alone bring a festival there curated by us with some of our favorite bands of all time on it. So like, it's literally the, it's, it's like dream fuel, you know, before that we did Hawaii. Crazy. It's like, like wild times at the OK Corral, man. Um,
1: Totally, totally. It definitely, and what I, the question I was getting to in regards to this is the, you know, the uh, events, like like you said, proof of concept, like it works from an attendance perspective and a business perspective where it's just like, you know, like, oh, yeah, like we're not going to lose our shirts doing this thing. Um, it, 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 what I admire about it is the fact like it could come across as, you know, like just nostalgia porn, like very cheesy but somehow, like, in my mind, it, it doesn't, because it, it's that sort of celebratory nature that you're talking about, like, oh, summer camp for us and all of our friends, but then also, you know, inviting people to come out and watch us and stuff. Um, I, I'm sure there was a lot of discussions with, you know, you and the band and, you know, your business partners to be like, how do we, you know, do that without sort of proverbially jumping the shark or whatever? Um, or was that just like, you know, <laughs> kind of like how it accidentally happened?
2: Yeah, I mean, there there's... That is absolutely something that we consider. You know, it's like we all have these conversations and it's like we're doing a, a MySpace wall this year and we're like, is that too on the nose or too cringy or is it is it intentionally cringy, which makes it lovely? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> right. because like our whole idea about our festival is that we want to create a festival that is, you know, the bands that the, that every fan loves in locations that the bands love. So like we're trying to make the, the backstage experience as good as the front of stage experience, because from the band's point of view, some festivals can get really like clinical and really like, okay, well you get this dressing room for two hours. Here's your meal ticket, play your show uh, and then leave. You know what I mean? Like it can come off really business-like and really transactional. And yep. like what we're trying to do is create uh, like outdoor cookout vibes and like just have the bands be hanging out and like wanting to be there instead of just showing up for a payday or like trying to get out of there as soon as possible. And we think that if you do it that way, the fans will see how much fun the bands are having, and they'll remember those times. That's kind of kind of our vibe, and really just to try to, like I said, be careful stewards of the genre, be respectful of the genre, and like invite all these bands that we also love and bands that we're friends with to just kind of share the day together in a fun location, um, because I think that's what the the fans do. The fans are going with friends sometimes they're meeting up with people they haven't seen in a long time um and you know we try to to kind of do what we all did back on the day at warp tour except add the extravagances that you need when you're 30 you know like seats and air conditioning right like bath like legit bathrooms and like uh fun themed drinks and like iced coffee uh you know, like, just, just stuff that, like, you're more into as an adult, but also the bands you listen to that make you feel young. So, like, um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun, like, choosing choosing the bands, talking to them, and, like, you know, basically what we'll do is we'll write a little personalized letter to them and, and give them leave them in their dressing room and explain why we asked them, even if they're friends that we've known for 20 years. Like yep. we will dig deep and explain why we want you there and why you matter to us. And, um, you know, and that's one of those moments that's either delightfully cringy or, uh, somebody appreciates or somebody looks at and goes, I- I've had enough of these guys. Now they're trying to talk to me on a heartfelt level. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, I, love,
1: like, I, I just love, like, I like, I'm really envisioning that idea. Cause like, yeah, you're. You're like, okay. The reason you are playing is because like you're of this time and like you know you did this and did that and like you know a, a person who hasn't like thought about their band from that perspective is just like, what the hell are you talking about, JT? Like, no, dude, I'm not interested. <laughs> like, I totally yeah. get. It. I I see exactly what you're talking. It's like you're trying to you know sell a um you know an experience and people are are you know people just look, you're like I just want to play a show. What the hell are you talking about all this other stuff or whatever? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we're trying to break down those walls of like doing this for 20 years and like it can feel ordinary and it can feel just like another show. I'm like, nah, man, you're invited to this. We're going to write you a personalized letter and I'm going to make you I'm going to at least try to make you remember how fun this is. (laughs) Sometimes it can be a grind. You know what I mean? And I'm like, dude, there's you know, there's Twinkies backstage. There's, you know, act like this is the 90s and just like Home Alone this thing, man. Let's have fun. Um, right. But yeah, it, it's just it's just kind of like it's, that. Kind of like uh it, it it's all fun for the fans and for the bands and we're just we're really looking forward to the entire summer.
1: Yeah, no, that's super awesome. Well, JT, I genuinely appreciate you coming on and thank you for letting me uh, ping-pong around your brain for uh for these uh, responses. I appreciate you.
2: Yeah, of course, Ray. I I like I said, I'm a, a big fan of the podcast. I, I love anybody who is willing to like get down and dirty when it comes to like music and the scene and, and hardcore and punk and like really just try to, to capture some sort of snapshot of who any of us are as people and why, why we do it. Um, yeah. so I, I appreciate it very, yeah. very much. Um, great conversation. And, uh, I can't wait to, to tell all my friends to, to listen to it.
1: So there you have it. That was JT. And uh, if you're not familiar with Hot Hord Heights, check them out, you know, because it, it even though it's not necessarily for me, it could be for you. And uh, what they do is cool. And I enjoy it for what it is. And JT was just, yeah, man, I became fast friends with him after that. And, you know, especially straight-edge adults, we had to stick together in some capacity. So shout-out to Monica, his publicist, for uh, putting the idea on the radar, even though realistically I was like, oh, yeah, I I want JT on. And then, you know, sometimes it's just these happenstance things where it's like, hey, you want to have this person? I'm like, yes, I've been meaning to reach out. Thank you very much. So next week we have a very, very informative and insightful discussion with one of my—well, to me, a newer band, but a band that's been kicking around in Australia for quite some time. I have Cormy from the band Geld or Gelled, Geld, G E L D. They just put out a record on Relapse, and honestly, I just fell in love with it. It has a amazing mixture of like D beat, you know, sort of like Celtic Frost mixed with just kind of raging hardcore. It's so good. And uh, I got to have Cormie on, and he is a very interesting person because he got raised in Ireland, has a lot of experience within the DIY scene there. Travelled to Australia some ten odd years ago. Has been in this band, has been a ton of bands, and frankly, he goes deep because I'm like asking him, you know, kind of stupid questions about like, oh, like I don't know anything about the Irish punk scene broadly speaking. You know, it's like yeah, you know the Pogues, but that's kind of it. So um, yeah, he educates me, and gives gave me a lot of things to learn. So that's what we got next week. Cormie from Geld. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust